Is it time? This is the My New Norm podcast. And I'm your host, Barry Scott Young. And now, on with the show. A popular topic these days, with all we've experienced over the last couple of years. But how much responsibility do you take regarding your own health? In this episode, you'll hear from Patrick Lynch. Pat shares insightful and practical steps that he took to achieve a healthy body and mindset. He went from being feeling stuck to becoming a world-class Ironman competitor. You don't have to become an Ironman competitor, but owning your own health from overcoming brain fog to sleep issues and other health struggles can change your life. I know you want to take some notes, so let's get ready. Here's that conversation. Well, welcome, Pat. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, man. It's been uh, it's been a bit <laughs> since I've I've got to see you man, see your face. So it's been a while, man. Yeah, thanks for reaching out and um, and asking me to be part of something so cool. I'm looking forward to this. You have so much to share, so I'm going to let you share your story today. Ask you some things, and just feel free to to go. First thing I want to do is let my listeners know exactly how many girls live in your house <laughs> oh wow um well <laughs> Can you count I, them all yeah so my my wife and i so my wife is one girl my wife and i have seven daughters uh no. so yeah so uh, our oldest is 23 our youngest is three and oh my um uh, so in my home right now i have uh, my wife, my seven daughters, my oldest got married a year ago, had uh, her and her husband had their their first child, our first grandchild, which is a little girl. So that's another girl. A girl. Uh, yes. They live with us. They moved back in a couple months ago after they had the baby. And then uh, my father-in-law, who was just an amazing man, was super, I feel like super instrumental, you know, in, in my life in a lot of ways, even though him and I are polar opposites. He passed away three years ago, and my mother-in-law moved mm. in with with us. So, I have yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten. I live with ten females, age range eighty-seven to uh, fifteen weeks old. Oh my! <laughs> how many? How many guns do you own? Zero. <laughs> Maybe I should make that oh, no. public knowledge. I I, uh, oh, I, no. I I I am stern though, so I have some. I, oh, I do good. have. I have an intense, stern personality, so. Man, well, you've weathered that well. Right before we get in some background, I believe you lived in Hawaii. Is that right? I grew, you know, no, my, my wife is, her mom was born and raised in Hawaii. My, my, my mother-in-law okay. is Hawaiian by blood. My wife is half Hawaiian. Her dad is African-American and 
Um, I, I grew up in Oceanside. I'm like third generation, fourth generation from North County, San okay. Diego is where, where I live, where you and I met. Right, and right. Um, deep roots in Hawaii, I, I surfed a whole different part of my life. I surfed a lot when I was younger and got into that industry and competitively at a really high level. So Hawaii is in my blood just from the, I love going and I, you know, my wife's family, she's got a ton of family there. And, um, I wish I could oh. claim, claim Hawaii as my roots, but, uh, wow. it's something that just grabbed a hold of my heart, especially when I met my wife and it just, oh, I, gosh, I, I love the culture. I would love to hear a little bit of who Pat was growing up. What kind of kid <laughs> were you? Oh, Wow. You know, uh, my wife and I chat about this a lot, watching our, our children and now our new granddaughter. Uh, we kind of reflect back on our own childhood. You know, I think I was a pretty I was a pretty curious kid, meaning I, I just spent a lot of time roaming around outside. I mean, we grew up in a, a day and age where it was normal to get up in the morning and I grew up by the beach to put on a pair of, you know, shorts and be outside pretty much the entire day. Maybe, maybe come in for lunch. Maybe you hear a whistle and you know, that's your dad. And it was the old school, like street lights come on, you, you need to be home. And yeah. so as a kid, I, I just felt like I, a lot of exploration in terms of being outside, looking back, realized that I was a very isolated kid, spent a mm. lot of time by myself. I prefer uh, I'm an introvert, so I prefer, you know, time spent just in seclusion. And so I, I spent a lot of time by myself. I would make up my own stories and games and stuff. And it's not that I didn't have friends. It's just that I preferred, I think, time alone. Um, I also realized, looking back, I realized that I have a type of personality that has this extreme focus piece to it where if I lock on to something that's it becomes my entire world um sort of a scenario so I think looking back I spent a lot of time I would lock on to something and and a lot of the regular things as I grew up and got into high school a lot of the regular things that I I think that my peers were doing going to parties and chasing girls and drinking maybe get into some trouble and some of just the socialization I just did not participate in. I, I would, I think I, I don't think I ever went to a party spent time in high school ever uh, in any night of the week was at home. I preferred to go to bed early and I preferred to be up early and be in the water surfing and nothing was going to disrupt that. And, and so that's what I mean about kind of seclusion and isolation and, I found independent activities suited mm -hmm. me best. I played team sports. Uh, I played soccer at a very high level when I was young, growing up to I was a freshman in high school. But I really found solitude in the alone time of surfing. Mm. And my friends surfed. And I mean, I had a group of people. There was definitely a culture around me growing up by the beach. But I found a ton of solitude in surfing. And, and I think looking back as well, in a lot of ways, and, and, and we might dive into this at some point here in our discussion, but because of what was going on around my life, surfing became my savior. It really did in a lot of ways, I think, save me from going down a lot of misguided paths. 
and helped me get through a lot of trauma, bad experiences that I had to deal with as a kid. So pretty much, uh, this sounds horrible, but I don't mean it to. <laughs> you have a tendency to be fixated. Yeah. Um, so that's good and bad. Correct. Those that concentrate and focus do well. But the other side of that, if you're not focusing on something that is good or healthy, it tends to bring you down. Isn't that true? Yeah, I think, you know, even to this day, so, you know, I'm 48 years old and it's not like that part of my personality has been eradicated. I think anything in excess. So I think what happens is with extreme fixation, you become fixated on something to the point of exclusion of things that probably matter more. I think, you know, you know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bridge into something that I feel like in society that we deal with right now is we deal with this one or the other mentality. It's very binary and polarizing if you look at the landscape of who we are globally and as a nation and in our communities. There's this beautiful middle ground that I fight to live in to say, let the fixation the extreme focus really benefit what it needs to benefit, but not to the exclusion of things that matter more. And so uh, I think we can, you know, some people might call addictive personalities. I don't really subscribe to that language. I just think I have, I have an extreme ability to, to really focus and fixate on things, but I definitely have to work still to this day on not excluding because I just shut the world out. Right. And it's mm. super, super dangerous. And I think to your point, that's the flip side of isolation. I love solitude. I love isolation. I love being alone. Yeah, you get charged. I do. But there are times that I, I can feel the weight on my heart just as a human of needing to be around people. But if I if I've excluded everybody to such a great degree, being so fixated, I have I have no family, I have no community to turn to for the human heart. And so I can be very achievement based, achieve great things, but at the same time, I could be destroying things that matter probably a lot more. Yeah. Well, I think your family keeps you balanced from your 100%. wife to the 50 daughters that you have, <laughs> you know. I think that that is when you come home, when you love to turn everything off, you have mm -hmm. to turn everything on because your kids and your wife. That to me is a major adjustment, but you have found a balance in who you are and what you need to be. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to pick on a word you used just now a little bit is this word balance. I don't, I don't think I've found balance. In fact, I think the whole idea of balance is a complete misnomer in society and, and in humanity. I, I liken it better to say balance is absolutely impossible and it's unachievable. However, I think really what we're dealing with is tension. We, we really have like my, my, my whole message is, you know, I, I got, I got super into doing triathlons and all that stuff. And there's three elements to a triathlon. There's a swim, a bike, and a run. And I liken that and I correlate that to life. Life, you've got relationships, your enterprise, and your purpose. And your relationships could be your marriage, your friends, your family, whatever it is. Your enterprise is how you make money and how you're surviving on that level. And your purpose is that deep sense of 
I matter. There's something in me that I was made for. And, and I think humanity can relate to all three of those and they're necessary, but it is impossible to balance those three things. I think we're better off having a real discussion about the tension that pulls on us that we're constantly in in life. And at any moment, you may have to be giving more attention to one thing than another. And that's not, we would say your life's out of balance. But I would tell you that if we were sailing and you saw a sailboat leaned over, um, it was harnessing the wind that was blowing on the sails at that moment in that season, that it made, that would be balance. It would seem imbalanced. Mm. It would look imbalanced. It would look like it's leaning too far to one side. That's life. Life is much more like that. I think we have these three areas in our life that we, we have to dismantle. And I, for me, I don't even use the word balance because it's impossible. I cannot, and you cannot bear give equal amounts to everything you are to everything at the same time. That's right. the definition of balance. We really are caught in tension and tension is not meant to be solved. It's really something that we manage. And mm. so th- that's really, I think, what we're dealing with. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. Um, so every day when you wake up, um, you are not aware of the tension that you're going to face. So it's something that you do in the moment. It's not something that you can prepare for many times. Yeah, I think we do. So when I say manage tension, I think it's two twofold. Number one, you're going to manage tension, like plan, right? Prepare. So we, we have a schedule, you and I, you know, we're texting beforehand and I'm looking at my schedule and I knew today I woke up, I had to get a workout in. I needed to go see, you know, my doctor to keep my body operating at my age doing triathlons. And, um, I went and did a swim, had to come home, had to get, you know, nutrition in my body, deal with some of the things that were going on. And I had to get on a call with you at 11. Like that to me is you look at, we can, we can mitigate a lot of the tension we feel in our lives if we can be better prepared. But to your point, here, here's, here's the thing in the midst of all of that, what I think we fall victim to is when it comes to tension is we put all of our eggs in the basket of planning and we, we marry our plan. Mm. And really what we have to do is we have to know what the mission is. What is the, what, what is the target out on the horizon? What are we trying to achieve here? Because there's only, there's, this is what I can tell you about every morning you wake up to your point, whatever you have planned Something is going to create tension on your plans and those plans are not going to go as you thought they were, but you have to marry your mission and date your plans. You have to be willing to manage that tension and say, Hey, uh, things are not going to go as I probably wanted them to go, but I have a mission I'm accomplishing today. What is that? Mm. I have a mission I'm accomplishing this week, this month. I have a life mission that I'm accomplishing and you, you, you know, as well as I have run into in our life experiences, multiple, multiple moments where your plans get completely turned upside down, but you still had a mission to complete. And how do we manage that tension? Um, and and it's to to me. So anyway, that, that's the language, kind of the framework, mind framework that I approach living my, my life in. 
Wow, good stuff. I want to talk a little bit, or at least move in the direction, create some tension uh, (laughs) in the area of what you've experienced being unhealthy, more healthy now, even to the point of competing now. What, What did it take for you to be where you are now and where did you start? Yeah, so... You know, I guess the, the, the steps of progress where I, I, I really was an elite athlete when I was younger, competed at high levels, pretty much of anything that I did, was very fit, was always focused on my fitness, um, got really unhealthy in my middle years, I'll call it my middle years. So that's my mid twenties to mid thirties. I was, you know, 50 pounds overweight, maybe even a little bit more. Uh, and it wasn't just weight, weight. I mean, weight is the physical, it's physical and people can see it. So I was, I was from a weight standpoint, you could see that I wasn't healthy, but what you couldn't see is that I was also unhealthy holistically. I had walked away from my faith. I mentally was struggling high levels of anxiety, tremendous depression, bouts of, you know, thoughts of taking my own life, uh, really just wasn't happy. And the crazy part about this all is, is that this was even occurring while I was doing ministry, while I was serving God, while I I had come back to faith, all that stuff. And I I think that's something that really needs to be probably discussed more in our, our circles of faith. And, and is that we've stigmatized this, well, I'm not doing well mentally, emotionally. I'm not doing well physically. I think contextually, I think, you know, we let's say we over-spiritualize it. We throw this toxic positivity on things of, well, I'm blessed, God's good. Well, yes, all those things, but I'm not doing well. I, I hit a point where I realized that I was stuck. I realized that there was no programs. There was no preaching. Uh, Jesus himself wasn't going to come back, reincarnate and, and do anything for me that if I was going to see my life get unstuck, Mm -hmm. I had to make a decision in me. Something had to spark something in me to motivate me. Number one, motivation gets you off the line. Motivation is going to get you off the start line. It, motivation is catalytic. It's external. So you could motivate me. But then I realized, okay, you know, I'm stuck. I need motivation. And, and I really never thought I would, my body would be able to operate at any great level. I had multiple ailments in my body. I still do. Just from years of beating it up, doing action sports, surfing and skateboarding and snowboarding and motocross and being a kid and probably stupid. But I hit this point about five years ago that I just, I wanted my life back. Mm. And I, I realized that no matter how hard I prayed, no matter how much I read the Bible, no matter how much I served God, there were parts of my life that were out of, out of balance. This mm-hmm. word that were creating tension that I thought I could mitigate this tension. I could manage this better. And so I, I had always had this weird notion of doing a, a 
triathlon. I love challenges. I love things that really don't just push me to the edge, but push me over the edge beyond what I really mm. feel like I can do. You know, my where my mind, you know, is telling me to quit. There's probably a, a, a far greater capacity in us, in our humanity to, to persevere and to keep going. And so I, I, I did a triathlon and it was a, what's called the sprint distance, which is really short. It's like an hour race immediately. I'm highly competitive, <laughs> personally competitive with <laughs> myself. And, and I, and I had done some training to do it and it, it was, it was crazy looking back where I started and what I was able to do physically. Mm-hmm. I was so out of shape, Barry. If I, if I, if I told you what I was able to do then compared to like what I'm doing now, wow, it is incredibly like, it, it, it's one of those things that every person I talk to says I could never do that. But I was that guy. I, I could barely walk an 18 minute mile. I, I could do it. I could walk a mile and I was done for the day. I really had to make the decision inside of me. And, and this is an important message. I think for I find for people a lot right now is quit waiting on a secret mm. sauce. Quit waiting on that next thing. Um, something in you. If, if, if I could, I could provide a, a training plan. I could provide a nutrition plan. I could provide a mental health plan. I could provide all these things. But if there's not something in you that says, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. I am tired of being here. I personally, my own experience is nothing's going to change. I will tell you though, people, the comparison game is so destructive. We don't understand like no one, people look at my highlight reel right now. I, I just qualified for the world championships, 70 Ironman, 70.3 world championships. Wow. A- and I'll be racing at the end of October in St. George, Utah with the top one, 2% males, my age from all over the world. are going to fly in to St. George, Utah. Wow. That's incredible. But I didn't start there. Right. Like, I think we have to, we have to pull the veil back and talk about getting unstuck which I was, and I think a lot of people are in a lot of areas of their life um, right now. It starts, it's one step at a time and it's developing small successful steps. And it's, it's learning to celebrate those moments. All of the, all of the, like me qualifying for the world championship, that whether that comes or not, but if it does, it's made up of small successful steps. Mm -hmm. The success isn't qualifying for the world championships. That's actually the, that's actually the the fruit of the success. Success happens every single day that I get up and I have to make a decision to be a, a, a father and a husband and a leader. And I you know I got to go to the pool and I have to swim or I have to run or I have to bike or any combination of those things. There are small decisions today that any of your listeners who are hearing this are facing that those small decisions carry more weight than the big decisions. Right. And what are you doing with the small decisions? Cause those, those small decisions, that's where the success gets unlocked. That's where you get unstuck. So, so you have learned to succeed in the small steps 
And the byproduct is doing things that you thought you'd never be able to do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's as a dad, people, you know, hey, like we're talking. If I just meet you for the first time, oh, okay, yeah, married. Oh, awesome. Do you have kids? Yeah, I have kids. You know, and how many kids do you have? And the person says, oh, I, I got three kids. They're full speed. Oh, my gosh, blah, blah, blah. How many kids do you have? And I go, I got seven. Oh, and they're just like their jaw drops, <laughs> right? Well, here's the thing, though. This is, this is how our brains work. This is very fascinating. We will process that statement. If I only have three kids, we process it as I can't imagine dropping four more kids into my household. But there's something, something slightly off about that thought process. I'm not talking about dropping four more kids into your household. In fact, they came one by one. Now there's twins, and trip, but, but by and large, right? I'm talking about yeah. over a 23-year span, God has stretched me prepared me, strengthened me, and then stretched me again over a 23 year right. period. I could go on and on and on and on with examples of this, with, you know, our, our relationships, with whatever enterprise you're involved with, or even, even finding out really like what makes my heart beat? What's my purpose? So yeah, it's not all at once, right? So the preparation Give my listeners an idea of what that looks like. What time do you get up? What have you chosen not to eat versus I must eat? <laughs> How many miles do I do this? I mean, what does it look like? And where did yeah. you start? So, uh, yeah, real quickly, five years ago, I started. I wanted to do, like I mentioned, a, a really short, it's called the Sprint Triathlon. And the Sprint Triathlon is like a 600-yard, 700-yard swim. Uh, probably a 12 mile bike ride and a 5k 3.1 mile run. And the truth is that may seem daunting to people, but that it's not really that, that much. And it doesn't take that much. Hmm. So that's where I started. And I literally started, as I mentioned, I could walk 18 minutes and then I got to where I could walk in 15 minutes. I could walk a mile. And then I started walking and then jogging and then walking and jogging, walking, jogging. And I got that down to like a 12 minute mile. Then I got to where I could run an entire mile without walking built up today. So everyone understands the level that I'm competing at now. I have a coach day at best who is just an animal. She, you know, has, has her own list of accomplishments in triathlon and Ironman. You know, I have a coach, I've got a nutritionist and, you know, Kyla Chanel from nutritional revolution, you know, between those two, they keep me in my day in and day out nutrition plan workouts. I work out six days a week. Um, I have a minimum of one workout a day. There's a lot of days where I have two workouts that I'm doing and I'm probably training when I'm getting ready to race. I'm probably training somewhere between 12 and 16 hours a week on top of my responsibilities. Um, those workouts. So if I was just talking about workouts right now, those, those training workouts, uh, you know, consist of more, it's about volume, meaning I'm biking and running and swimming multiple times a week. So that at the end of the week, I've, I've filled the bucket of each one of those to the volume that's necessary. Right. And in those workouts, I'm training two different aspects of of my body. I'm, I'm training my ability to go long and far. 
And, um, and then there's other workouts that are focusing on my ability to, to go fast and hard. <laughs> and mm. the, the races that I'm doing now, I specialize in Ironman 70.3 races, which is Ironman's what they call half distance. So a full Ironman is 140.6 miles. I race and do 70.3 miles. So that consists of a 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile oh. bike. And then I run 13.1 miles or a half a marathon after I do those first two elements. Um, that alone is now I'm pushing into endurance. So that's uh, the ability to do something over a long period of time and do it with effort. So the training really is about, if I were to summarize training, training is about creating fatigue, stretching, pushing your body, creating fatigue, and then recovering. And, in, it, it, and, and this is something important that I think we can take as a life lesson. God tells us we should, we should rest. We should, we should Sabbath. He, you know, on the seventh day, he rested. The best way for a person to get fit and be fast and be able to endure is to get really good at these other two elements. Triathlon is swim, bike, and run. So a lot of people think that it's only three elements, but it's not. It's, it's your recovery, it's your rest, and it's your nutrition. So my biggest question for people in life is not what are you doing, how are you resting, and, how are you, and what are you feeding yourself? Because those two, when you sleep, your body repairs itself. There's nothing better you can do than to sleep. It, it, it's, it's crazy. It, your body literally repairs itself. And you now are able to go out and do your next effort or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, harder, faster, and what have you. And then nutrition for me, you know, I don't get up uh, just real quickly on rest. I, I used to train, get up really, really early in the morning, like 5 a.m., do all my training. I found that at my age and with the rhythms of my life, that didn't work all the time really well because I, my body wasn't getting the, all the rest that it needed. Um, I, was, I, I wasn't dealing with the fatigue well. So I now um, have created some different rhythms for myself in the morning. And so I'm working out a little bit later in the morning than I, I normally would. I, I typically work out in the morning though. Just as a side note, if you want to kickstart your day, get your physical exercise done in the morning, load your body full of oxygen and endorphins and it brightens your day. You're going to have a better attitude. You're probably going to be more efficient in what you're doing. My nutrition like I have to give a disclaimer. My nutrition has always been uh, an issue for me. I have a gene mutation. It's genetic. And so I have the worst form of this gene mutation that you can have. And this gene mutation, if I really were to simplify it and not get like nerdy science, it mm -hmm. doesn't allow my body to detoxify. So my wife has the same thing. Yep. MTHFR. Yeah. She yep. has it. Yeah. So Barb, has, yeah. And I, you know what? I think her and I talked because we mm -hmm. were talking about hair product. <laughs> and she said, I quit using, she goes, you have the same thing. I quit using hair product because blah, blah, blah. Oh my. So my body is unbelievably sensitive to, to anything I put in it. Number one. 
But I eat so unbelievably clean that my body is also extremely sensitive because it just doesn't have offensive foods and substances in it. So right. I, I don't drink anything but water primarily. I, I love for caffeine. I don't drink coffee. I, I have adopted uh, your mate tea uh, in the morning in a French press, and that's great. But other than that, I eat extremely uh, well. I eat you know, chicken, I'll eat fish. Um, I'm really picky about those two. And, uh, and then on top of that, lots of great, you know, fruits, vegetables. Um, I'm on top of my supplements. I work with my, my kinesiologists. I work with two different kinesiologists that keep me up to, up to speed. My nutritionist is also speaking into that, making sure my iron levels are high, my vitamin D, you know, B12 vitamins, so nutrition is key. So, so for me, and you'll understand this because Barb, mm-hmm. uh, food is not functional. Meaning, it, I I don't sit down and have a dinner the way that most people do. Food for me, because of you know this this gene hiccup. So if you couple that with af- the athletic side of me, mm-hmm. food is one hundred percent fuel. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I, I don't look at it any other way. I, I don't, I don't really care. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like over the top about some of that stuff. I just, uh, I'm a bit, again, I get fixated. So I track every single thing that I eat. I could wow. tell you what I've eaten every day for probably the last four years. I track it in an app on my phone and I work based on macronutrients. So I can tell you, you know, carbohydrate, protein, and fat. I don't really track calories. And I just need to know that my protein is there to help, you know, repair the muscles that are are getting uh, broken down through hard efforts. And the carbohydrates really, you know, are just because you have to consume carbs as an endurance athlete, in my opinion. That's your fuel. It's it's your your fuel. And I'm burning through my swim workout today. I, I mean, I burnt all the way into my glycogen stores and my muscles. Like, so when, if you're ever running or doing something and you just get to the point of fatigue, like you just can't keep going, you've burnt into that glycogen storage. You, you've, you've depleted your muscles of all of that, basically sugar. Um, and you're just like, I can't go any further. So I'm constantly replacing that. So really it's, it's those, you know, I'm training, I'm working out six days a week. Sundays I, I preach, I have two, two services, you know, at our church that I preach and I spend some time just relaxing and, and then every day just making sure that my body's fueled, try to get the rest that I need, you know, which is always a bit of a fight, you know, just cause I got so much going on. Man, you've learned so much. I remember in the sixties, sugar was good, fat was bad. And for years now we've had it wrong. Yep. You know, sugar's bad, fat is good. Your body is either going to go after fat or sugar to give you energy. Correct. And so with our intake, with all the sugar in our food, that food's made in labs now, we're so thrown off. And if it affects everything, the way we think, the way we make decisions. Did you find that when you were not where you are now, 
maybe more unhealthy, that your mental state and your sleep patterns, all that were affected? What a great, number one, what a great question and what a great um, observation. One of the biggest things that I think really I was unhealthy with were those two things, right? My mental health, state of mind, and I couldn't sleep. One of the things that I did was I would just sit in my head, my brain would just spin and spin and spin and spin. So one of the reasons why I wanted to go do a triathlon when I first did it is because this was my mentality. I want to pick something that is so hard on me that I'm fatigued at the end of every day. I'm so tired that I'll just crash and fall asleep because I, my body, what I didn't know was what you just said. I didn't know that my body was so out of whack that that's what was causing it. So I, I kind of stumbled upon then learning, oh, <laughs> I can go fatigue myself and, and help myself sleep or I could eat well, <laughs> you know, I could, right, put, right. I, 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 I could put the right things in my system. And so for me, yeah, sugar, you know, this whole idea that we need to, you know, stay away from fat. I mean, our bodies need fat, it, right. it, but, but hey, don't get me wrong. There's bad fat and there's good fat. The problem is, is that, you know, there's a whole nother conversation, I think entirely, but we live in a society, you kind of brought this up. We live in a society, specifically a country. I mean, you have, you have an entire part of the world in Europe and other parts of the world that do not allow their food industry to Mm -hmm. put substances and things in their food products that America allows because Europe has said, these things are not good. They cause some issues, but in America, we, we include these things in our food and those things are highly addictive. They end up becoming part of a blockchain breakdown in how our body is metabolizing. So we're more fed again. This is my opinion. I think we're more fed off of industry. We need to sell more of this. So let's just push that narrative. So for me, the biggest and the hardest thing to do was not when I started doing triathlons, but when I first got diagnosed uh, with my gene mutation was getting off of sugar. Right. I don't think most people understand how much sugar is in every single thing that we eat. Um, right. The average American eats like 250 grams of sugar a day. But if you pick up any processed food, one of the reasons why it tastes so good, and if you've ever gotten a craving for something like a burger from that that special place that you like or whatever, you're not craving the burger, you're craving the sugar that they've put in the meat. Sugar, they, they, it's still to this day, food industry, is it's sugar laden. It's the hook, right? It's what keeps you coming back. And that's what's considered a simple carbohydrate. It's going to make you feel the effect so mentally that this is back to your original point, mentally, this is what it does. Hey, I'm not feeling very good right now. Mentally, my body has this craving. I eat something that's sugary. I feel better. Boom. I feel better, right? Oh, the world isn't quite so dim and I feel good for about an hour. And then all of a sudden that sugar goes boom and it crashes. So my blood sugar level is, is doing this. So it's no wonder why people feel like they're in this crazy roller coaster daily, mentally and emotionally. Now you got on top of that, What's my body doing from what I'm eating? And then you just have the stresses of life. Like there are true things that that are dimming our world and that are hard on us and circumstances relational or or in our enterprise or, you know, in our pursuit of trying to find out like why we exist. And you add all that together. This is my opinion. I think it's no wonder that we have 
the most anxiety ridden, depressed, medicated society ever in existence. So, so, so real quickly to, to, to specifically answer your question, I am a completely different person today, mentally and emotionally, everything simply by this. If someone said, Pat, what's one thing that I can do to completely change all of this? Do I have to work out six days a week? I would say no. Control what you're putting in your body. Nutrition, 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 nutrition. Nutrition is what changed really, I think, what changed most of you know who I am today. What goes on in your head when you're getting up in the morning and you don't want to? You're in a workout. You want to stop, but your brain tells you no. You're in competition. You don't think you can make it. What does your brain training tell you during those times? Yeah, um, great question. I'm gonna I'm gonna dispel kind of a myth. Is I I, I was just having this conversation. I, I <laughs> look rarely do I wake up in the morning excited to train. <laughs> Most of the time, I I don't want to. I've never raced a race. I've never completed a, an Ironman 70.3 race and and not walked away and said, at some point during the run, it typically happens during the run because it's the hardest portion. My brain is saying, stop, this hurts, this is painful. You hit, you, you really hit this place of your suffering. I've never once walked away from a race and said, wow, uh, I, I I didn't have one negative thought. In fact, I will tell you that most of the time, this is what goes through my head as I'm ending a race. I'm in the run. I'm probably between mile seven and 10 out of 13.1 miles. I hit this place where I say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is the dumbest thing you've ever done. I'm never doing this again. And I start going through this whole thing. So I, I call that the editor in your head. Every one of us has an editor in our head. Every one of us has something in the morning that in my opinion, that is working against the progress that you want to make towards your purpose. And this is really the thing that I, I feel like that editor, its chief goal is to make you believe this, that you don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes to complete the race. You don't have what it takes to get through this workout. You don't have what it takes to be that dad. You don't have what it takes to be that business owner. You don't have what it takes to get that promotion. You don't have what it takes to get that education. You just don't have what it takes. You don't have it in you. You've never had it in you. You're never going to have it in you. There's no possible way you're going to finish. You're going to suck today, just like you sucked all those other times. And then the editor brings all the moments you've failed up in your life and throws it in your face. And I want to tell every single one of your listeners this, that when you see people succeeding at the highest levels, competing at the highest levels, doing the things that you may sit back and voyeuristically say, I wish I could, I want you to know something, that those people, it's not that they are able to achieve because of all of their skill set. It's the mental game. 90%, 90% of what I get up and I do every single day as a father, as a husband, as a leader, pastor, as a friend, as an athlete, it's the mental game that happens between my two ears. And it's my decision to say, I refuse to believe the lie that I don't have what it takes. God put in you and he put in me the ability to go after it. There's a reason our origin story, 
is that he chose you, Barry, and he chose me from the beginning of time in the garden to be co-laborers and co-partners in the dominion over creation. Why would God choose you and I and give us the you have what it takes speech for us to walk away and believe this lie that we don't have what it takes? This is a mental game. We're facing right now, I think across society, the biggest mental challenge that we've ever faced. We have what it takes. We can do this. We can do this as a country, as a state, as a community, as a home, as a marriage, as a friend. You have what it takes. I didn't want to wake up this morning and work out. I didn't want to go to the pool. I'm dealing with some health issues that makes it really hard for me to get in the pool right now with my sinuses and my ears. And uh, so there's a, there's a perfect excuse. You know, I, I, Hey, I'm, I'm 48 years old. My body hurts and I don't really feel like, you know, doing triathlon and oh, my back and my shoulder from this injury tough move past it. Because I'll tell you what, if one of my kids life was on the line, if my granddaughter's life was on the line, I wouldn't be thinking about any of those things. Something would rise up inside of me. There's something burning deep inside of you and I that when we hit, like there's these moments, these glimmers of, of this inspiration in our life. It's the stories of people saying, I don't know what rose up inside of me. Let me tell you what it was. Mm. In my opinion, it was the spirit of God living full speed and full blast and full effect inside of you saying at this moment, I want you to experience the fullness of what you were created for. And, and there is an enemy, a real enemy, I think, after us in society as humans to say, you are bad. You, 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 you're bad and you're, you're a failure and you don't, you don't have the ability to succeed in any of these things. And I hit those things every single time. Every morning I wake up, every day in the middle of my day as a leader this week. The mental game I had to deal with this week with some things going on. The funny thing was, is this, I, I raced April 2nd this last year. This is what, eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago. I suffered more in that race than I've ever suffered in any race. Mm. I've never wanted to quit something so bad. It, it, wow. was, it was absolutely the most painful race and it comes, it comes on the half marathon. And I'll tell you what. I think I lived a lifetime believing this lie that I don't have what it takes uh, because of my own, my own self-talk, but also because I, I came into agreement with, with things that other people had said to me where they told me that right. I don't think you have what it takes. And I, I, I'm running the back end of this half marathon a handful of weeks ago. And my goal was to qualify for the world championships. I'm suffering and I'm really having a hard time. And about mile 10, I got 3.1 miles left, 5K. Mm. And you'd have thought I was a crazy person if you were, if you were standing as a spectator on the course because I began saying to myself, you have what it takes. Everybody in this race is suffering. I'm just going to be able to suffer better. Wow. And, and I'm either going to get carted off this course with no pulse or I'm going to finish strong. And I'm going to tell you what I have in my mind every single time I hit a moment that I don't think I have what it takes. In my mind, I can see all of my children Mm. standing at the finish line, Mm. cheering me on, my granddaughter, my wife. 
I'm thinking about them. And I begin to say this as I'm, as I'm suffering. I begin to say, I see you. <laughs> I'm coming home to you. Mm. I'm almost there. There's something bigger than me. And it has to be bigger than you. There's a moment that you're facing right now. Someone's listening to this and there's a moment you're facing. And I want you to tell yourself, guess what? Everyone is suffering in the race of life. You have what it takes to suffer better. And the reason you do is because there's something that you're going to be able to imagine. It's, you, it's, it's your kids, Barry. It's your grandkids. To say there's something bigger than me that's pulling me to the finish line. Yeah. Motivation is the push to get me off the start line. But the inspiration of the mission in my life is what pulls me to the finish line. Wow. Begin to tell yourself this. You have what it takes. For me, I want to get to the end of my life and I want the God I believe in to see me and say, I know you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. Like you left everything Beyond what you thought you could, you left everything in that race. And each one of us have a race. And your race looks different than mine. But we all have this in common as humans, is that we're all fighting mm -hmm. the same exact fight. I want people to be encouraged, no matter where you're at. Start today. And you know, and, and, and I would say this. I will make myself available for any one of your listeners personally that if they reach out and, and, and we'll try to put my contact where they can reach me, I want to hear your story. I want to be your champion. My granddaughter was born. There was a discussion in my home on what do you want to be called? Grandpa, Papa, <laughs> Pops. I don't know if you've had, I don't know if you had this talk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Such a, such a sweet moment, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I said, I want to be called champ. And mm. my, <laughs> my family was like, we are not calling you champ. And, uh, and the staff that I work with, they love me, but they're like, we're not calling you champ. And <laughs> my 21-year-old my, my, my daughter was very, very stern with me about, I will never, these were her words, I will never call you champ. And I call my granddaughter little champ. Hmm. I see her and I say, Hey, I go, what's up little champ. And I say this thing to her. I say, um, I say, do you see champ? Do you see me? No matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what's happening, I will always be your champion. Mm. You see, I wasn't asking people to call me champ because I'm a champion. I, I want my granddaughter, every time she sees me and she calls me champ, to remember that there's someone in her life that loves her like Jesus loved me and then is willing to champion her no matter where, no matter when. As I was suffering in this last race that I raced, I came around the corner and was on the back end of the half marathon and I was really having a hard time. 
my 21 year old daughter. standing as I came around the corner and she's screaming and pounding on the fence. And she says at the top of her lungs, let's go Chan. And I'm trying to run as hard as I can and cry at the same time because I realize more and more every day, these are the things, these are the things that matter. This is my inspiration. Mm. This is why, this is why I made the decision to get unstuck. Mm. And I, I, I will do whatever it takes. If one of your listeners needs help, have them reach out to me because mm. I'm willing to be someone's champion. Well, Pat, thanks for sharing your story. And I just thought, too, as you you were tying things up, that we are informationally rich, but yeah. application poor. Come on. And yeah. If anyone is listening today that wants to do something with this information, start applying step one. Just start. And you've made that really, really clear. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Are you aware that each episode has show notes? Some will have special links and resources. Please add your comments and do share this with those you know. This is the My New Norm podcast and I am still your host Barry Scott Young